Jordan Lovett has a special this morning.
Thank you, Jordan. That is a powerful song about prayer and, and about our daily walk with the Lord. 
And uh, we're going to take off now. If you have your bulletin or your Bible, just take off and look at Matthew chapter 6, looking at the Word of God. And last week we dealt with fasting, and uh, which of course is something that a lot of us really uh, haven't seriously uh, done or considered in our lifetime, and uh, is to fast. And so I hope and pray that you'll look at the uh, Sermon on the Mount again. We get to this section here in Matthew chapter 6 in relation to money. And it does say serving, about serving two masters. You cannot serve two masters. And so we're going to take off with the Word of God in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Holy Word? In verse 19, it says this, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to see what your holy word has to say. Dear Lord, that we would consider the priorities of our heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in the reading of God's holy word. Uh, And looking at this here, there's a famous quote by the gentleman that was killed by the Alcoa Indians in Ecuador in the 50s, a missionary, Jim Elliott. In one of his journals, he penned these words, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And what he was talking about is your life. When you give up your life and you give it to God, And you gain eternal life, that which you cannot lose. That's, of course, scriptural. And that is this this message this morning, right here in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount. In this middle of the Sermon on the Mount, throughout the whole thing, I'm sure if you've been paying attention, you've noticed that it has has to do with your heart and the attitude of your heart. Now, speaking of money, we can preach on money, and, and many of you know I'm not shy about preaching on money because the Bible says how to, that we're to, to give generously and just to, to be kind. It says just even helping the poor is blessed by God. And so in the, a lot of people ask about tithing. Is there a command in the New Testament about tithing? No, it's a principle, but it's a principle that is before the law and after the law. So it's a principle in God's holy word, and a tithe means a 10%. But that's really not what this message is about. This message is about our heart. It's about our, how do we look and observe, not just money, but possessions. How do you treat your possessions? How do you treat 
uh, things that God's blessed you with. How do you view what you own? A lot of times, many in our church is filled with generous people. Matter of fact, we could not do what we do without your generosity. So again, this is reflective of your heart. You're, the way you look at what God has given to you. So this is not about, hey, the preacher's preaching on giving. Well, you know, I know that God will lead, if you listen to him, that God will lead you in what to do. But this, the message is on what is, where are our priorities? What is most important to us? And you this morning just taking, sitting back and saying, you know what, maybe my priorities have shifted. Maybe my priorities in my life have changed. And so we're going to look at these verses. Basically, the very first thing, what is your treasure? This has to do with verses 19 through 21. And I just called it your priorities, your possessions, and your plans. I like, you know, in this uh, in this life, a matter of fact, it talks about everything that is here on this planet is temporary or it's eternal. And we have to change our outlook on what is precious. I mean, think about this. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what the very first verse says, because on earth, I mean, all of us, I've, uh, was, uh, Trey and I were, uh, we were out somewhere and we found some suits on sale and suits wear out and, you know, it's a good suits, nice. It's just basically, this is, uh, somebody says, man, you're all dressed up. I said, this is work clothes. <laughs> this is work clothes right here. And, uh, so, you know, and suits wear out, wear moth. You know, in the Bible days, those purple garments, you remember it says there was a rich man, who, Luke 16, who fared sumptuously, and he wore purple garments. It was a very costly dye, very, uh, something only rich people had. As well. So notice Jesus says here, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, your priorities, your possessions, everything needs to reflect Him and looking at Him, your priorities and your possessions, do they reflect what God wants from your life? There's a book that I want to look at now. I don't think this is in your outline, but go to the book of James, chapter 5. Now, James was penned by the half-brother of Jesus. Now, of course, James is inspired of the Holy Spirit. All of the books, all 66 books, are given to us by God, are inspired of God. But in James chapter 5 and verse 2, now what I want you to think about when I said this, I think, and you will find it if you ever do a study on James, and many of you may have heard this or read this somewhere before, that James, the half-brother of Jesus, as he was, I think, he was sitting on that hillside because the Sermon on the Mount is approximately halfway or a little over halfway in the three-and-a-half-year ministry of Jesus. And so James, the, who wrote the, the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus, whenever he penned these words, some of them reflect the Sermon on the Mount. And a matter of fact, these verses right here, as you've probably already seen, that they reflect that the same thing in James chapter 5 verse 2 it says this your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten your gold and silver cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you what well, that's, that's crazy I, the other day i noticed that everything in our house has started squeaking <laughs> 
<laughs> the refrigerator door, like, I was wanting to quietly get a piece of pie without anybody knowing, you know. And uh, you just can't do that. Or if you try to shut somebody's door, sneak in and out of a, a bedroom, don't want to wake anybody up, and rust, I mean, or whatever, it's friction causes that stuff wears out. And um, they're just crazy. Our, our church lawnmower is driving Brother Jeff crazy. That thing has been haywire, hasn't it, Brother Bull, this summer? Just nothing from belts breaking, this happening, that's happening. Stuff wears out. Things break down. And God says, don't place your priorities on things here on this earth because it's all temporary. And folks, when churches have problems, when marriages have problems, when people have problems, it's when you lose sight of what's important. Amen? You lose sight of what's important. You say, my marriage is struggling, probably because you're looking at temporary stuff instead of what God wants for your life. And churches are the same way and people are the same way when we lose focus on what's important. Somebody said this, if you want to hear God laugh, tell Him your plans. Just tell Him what you want to do. And God will say, <laughs> and He'll say, what about my plans for your life? What about my plans for your life? Do any of the things in our life pull us away from God or His church? Sometimes things can become our idols most of us don't think we're guilty of this one. We don't think we have idols, but folks, you can make an idol out of a car. You can make an idol out of a job. You can even put your family ahead of God. And according to the Bible, anything you put ahead of God can become an idol. I can worship. You can worship a person ahead of God. You can worship a thing, a job, security. I'm going to be okay because I have a retirement or this or that. But what if that is, we put that ahead of God? Things, resources, possessions can become idols. A lot of us say, well, I've never bowed down before an idol. We just, all you got to do, you don't have to bow down before, just put it ahead of God. Just put it ahead of God. It will become an idol. An idol that, that, that you place value in. Even we say that we don't place it above God. But I tell you, or somebody said this one time, all you got to do is look at somebody's checkbook and you'll see what's most important to them. Because where we place our treasure, where our treasure is, we'll get to that verse in just a second, there our heart is also. Jesus gave his life. Now, we'll get to what's important to Jesus. But two verses real quick in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, and then also in uh, Acts, chapter 20. Two quick verses about the Lord's local New Testament church. It's the institution that Jesus established. I met somebody the other day, speaking of idols, and he said, you know what, I can worship the Lord just as well on the lake as I can in a church. Probably better because out on the lake is not full of hypocrites. And uh, But folks, it doesn't matter where you go in life, a church, a school system, or on a job. There's hypocrites everywhere. And all it is is people who say one thing and do another. That's it. And we're all human. Every church, every job, every schoolhouse has them. Every place. But folks, we shouldn't despise what's in... Listen to me very closely. A lot of people say, I do that, but, 
And they say, I'm just as close to the Lord out in nature as I am. And I and really closer because I don't have to put up with so-and-so or put up with it. But should we despise what's important to Jesus? It says in Acts 20, 28, it says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. To feed the church of God, that means pastors are supposed to feed the church of God, which he did what? He purchased with his own blood. And then a very famous verse, if you do a study on church, in Ephesians 3.21, it says, Unto him be glory in the church, Ephesians 3.21. Throughout all ages, world without end. So, churches are important to Jesus. And they should be important to us. Just real quickly, back to our text you know, verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And think about what is your treasure is if Jesus, if serving him is, if he's not your desire, are you really saved? Folks, your heart will always follow after your treasure. Just go a couple of pages over. If you're in Matthew, a couple of pages to Matthew 12, 34. Matthew 12, 34. Notice what Jesus said about heart. Matthew twelve thirty four. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil, in other words, you're, you're not being nice, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So your heart will always follow your treasure. In other words, what is important to you? What is your pursuit in life? What do you value most? And if you value Him. So moving on to verse 22 and 23, what is your desire? What is your desire? In our text it says this, The light of the body is the eye. Your pursuits. Now it says here in verse 22, this is old English. I, I love the King James Version. It's, it's awesome. It's accurate. Sometimes you have some old English words. And it says here, If thy eye be single. This is a pretty interesting word. If I said, what do you mean single? Does that mean somebody got one eyeball in the middle of their head? I, that's a scary looking individual. No, what single means here, single means sincere, without guile. That means that you're not trying, you're, you're honest. And you're also, it's a healthy eye, it's a sound eye. So if my, if I have a sincere heart, if I, if, what is my pursuit? What am I looking at? It's, it's healthy. It's sound. If my pursuits, think about this. Again, I've asked this question again and again and again. What you live for, does it please God? What you're involved in in your life, the manner in which you, uh, conduct yourself in public, the, the, your attitude toward life, does it reflect God? Does it please God? If thine eye be single, your pursuits. That verse there speaks volumes. If, if I have a sincere eye, 
Thy whole body shall be full of light. Your pursuits affect, it says your whole body. There's, and I've, I've preached this, and I've preached this, and I've preached this. Where do I spend my money? I know some people, we've had uh, trying to pay off the family life center, different things like that, trying to, now we're trying to finish paying off the parsonage back over here with trailers and different things. And we've, we've often said, you know, one time we did a, a, a campaign for giving. We called it a Christmas gift for Jesus. And we brought up this in the fall, that you to, to pray about giving. And we said, uh, you know, think about how much we spend on deer hunting or fishing or camping. None of those things, nothing, nothing wrong with any of those things, are there? But a lot of times our pursuits gain, they're expensive. And we, and I've often used this as an analogy will sacrifice, do without, going to debt. You know, somebody says, well, I need a $12,000 side-by-side. Unless you got $12,000, well, you know, think about we'll spend it on that, and, you know, say, well, that's a 10-year investment. But a lot of times people, and I'm just using this as an example, nothing wrong with things, is there? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with fishing. Nothing wrong with hunting. You see what I mean? But it, where is our heart? What is our pursuits? Will we, we, we will sacrifice for what we enjoy. Amen? We will. We will enjoy. Say, well, I worked hard for that money. Yet God gets the leftovers. You see, it's, and again, it's not about amounts. It's what, where, where is our heart? What is important to us? Will we sacrifice for Him? But we will sacrifice or do without or going to debt or whatever the case needs to be or whatever fits the description for our pursuits. And so, when it says affect thy whole body, did you know your attitude affects everybody around you? Your attitude toward people, your attitude towards money, your attitude towards life, whether you're positive or negative, whether you reflect the things of God or not. Folks, the, 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 your attitude toward the Bible, the Word of God, your attitude toward Jesus, your attitude toward church. In other words, if, in, and a lot of times, I've, you know, I love that story. And uh, this particular preacher went and filled in at a church one time, and there was this... Uh, a little boy, and he kept coming by this preacher. You know, everybody goes by the preacher in the four-year-old Southern tradition in churches and said, uh, man, your sermon was sorry. And I, that little boy made a laugh inside the church. He came back. He said, boy, you can't preach yourself out of a wet paper sack. That pre and he came back by again. That little boy come back by the third time, that preacher, and he said, uh, man, I tell you what, you, you don't look half as good as you. You can't preach half as good as she looks or something of that nature. And uh, then finally, an older gentleman came by and said, don't worry about it. Don't pay any attention to that little boy. He just repeats what he hears. Okay, so. And uh, so just don't pay any attention to him. But, you know, a lot of times, the, the attitude that we reflect, the things that we say, we don't realize, are they affecting others? 
You see what I mean? Our attitude, our outlook, our demeanor. It says if the eye is single, if it's right, if I'm good, it will affect my family good. But do you know what the next verse says? If my eye, what I let into my life, comes out. If my eye is evil, it says that right there. It says in verse 23, if thine eye is evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Do my pursuits, do, does my attitude reflect what would please Him? It, and then it says, notice this. This is very interesting. What does the very end of verse 23 say? How great is that darkness? Because you know why? When you have a, a fleshly outlook, a selfish outlook, a negative outlook, reflect negative things, you, flect, you say, well, oh, how I love Jesus Yet you don't ever act like what Jesus asked us to act like. How great is that darkness? You know why? It affects our entire family. It, it reflects those around us. It, hurt, it hurts them. The word evil there, looked it up, it means worthless, wicked, unprofitable, useless. Well, lastly, in closing, is verse 24. It's really about a choice. No man can serve two masters. Nobody can serve. No, you know, something, something is number one in your life. You know, a man, there's different words for it. If, uh, you know, if you have a bachelor and uh, he likes to date different girls or see different ones. I'm sure there's a word for it that's not in my generation. And uh, like a player or something like that. Somebody who goes around seeing different women. And uh, if he ever says this, you're number one in my life. If you see anybody else and you tell them that, you can't have two number ones, okay? It's literally impossible. Matter of fact, the Bible, I believe the Bible, I believe Jesus. He says, you cannot have two masters. Because you're going to love one and despise the other, cling to the one and reject the other. You cannot. It's physically impossible to say, you're the most important thing in my life. And then come over here and say to something else or somebody else, you're the most important thing in my life. That's not right, is it? That's impossible. And Jesus says that. So I ask you the choice. What is most important in your life? You say, well, my, think about this. Some people will do the honorable thing and say, well, my, my wife and my family, my, my spouse. But really and truly, then that's putting them ahead of God. You say, well, God's supposed to be ahead of my family, my wife, my spouse. And God says yes. Because when you do that, then you can be the spouse that He wants you to be. You see what I mean? And that's why He is to be number one in our life. So that we can be the spouse we need to be. Who or what do you love? We say that we love Jesus. But do we love what He loves? And do we hate what He hates? Well, I'll tell you what. 
James 4.4 describes this very vividly. And again thinking about here the half-brother of Jesus sitting on a hill listening to his brother, half-brother. They had the same mom but not the same dad. Because Jesus' dad obviously was God. James 4.4 says this. You adulterers and adulteresses, you know what that means? You want to sum that up? That's spiritual adultery, by the way. Now, sure, somebody in here could be guilty of physical adultery, but spiritual adultery is just being unfaithful to your person you're married to. Well, he's saying, I'm, you and I are together on this. And if we're unfaithful to God, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. And whosoever therefore, and you want me to put this in country boy language? If you put anything ahead of God, he's a jealous God. I heard a talk show host very erroneously misapply this. They say, well, God, a jealous God, why should he be jealous of me? He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. Does that make sense? He's not jealous of you. Like, what does God have that you don't? Oh, I wish I had it. God's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. He wants a relationship with you. You know what? Follow that. So don't ever hear somebody say, God, is, that's, that's showing that the Bible is just full of malarkey and God is a jealous God. What does that mean? It means He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. That's what that means. If you ever hear anybody misapply that. But here it says this, that God is a jealous God. If we choose the world over Him, it says we make Him our enemy. I'll tell you what Jesus loves and He cares about. That's whether or not people die and go to hell. There is a heaven... And there is a hell. And it's a choice. The scriptures we've dealt with this morning deal with this fact. Nobody can serve two masters. You cannot serve God. And it says the old English word, mammon, money. But folks, that has to do with an attitude after you get saved. I want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? As your Savior. Do you know Him? That is the greatest choice you will ever make. Later on it says that many people choose hell and broad is the way. And all you got to do is just say, I don't accept Jesus as my Savior. Or, just don't say anything. If you never accept Jesus as your Savior, you're headed there. And, it's, and God loves you. He wouldn't have died and rose again if He didn't love you. Do you know Him as we prepare for Him of invitation? The greatest decision. Maybe you're facing a choice today. You need to come pray at the altar. Maybe you're struggling personally. Or you have a burden on your heart. And you'd like to pray at the altar. I want you to come do that. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak.
concerning your holy word. Thank you for giving us the scriptures. For in it, we have the words of life. Father, I thank you that you love us even after we mess up, make mistakes. Thank you for forgiving us. If there's somebody here that needs to be saved, I pray that this would be the morning that they do that. Father, burden our church. Thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.